I got my stress-induced diabetes right after I got my my PhD degree. And so I was teaching classes. I was running a business. Mm -hmm. I was working for a company. I had small kids at home. I had uh, a father dying and needing his affairs being taken care of. I had a mom who had major surgery and not enough insurance to cover her. And oh yeah, by the way, I had uh, a marriage that was heading for a divorce. Just a few things on my shoulders. My body was eating itself alive because of my stress. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy a cup of coffee. And I'm excited today. We've got uh, Professor Pete. He's going to be joining us from the other side of the country, uh, which is pretty cool, over in the Seattle area. And we're going to be talking about managing stress today. That's something that affects every single one of us. As leaders in organization, maybe you feel like you carry some stress from time to time. Maybe you feel like you carry stress all the time, but your team is also carrying stress and helping to identify that, helping to understand how to walk through that and navigate that will definitely be a useful tool for you. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So, Before we jump into the conversation, though, I've got to remember to ask you, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. If you haven't subscribed, well, right now is the time to do that. On our YouTube page, you can do that by clicking the red subscribe button. We have a brand new episode coming out every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And we have a lot of other information and helpful content for you coming out regularly throughout the week. So we want you to be a part of it. If you're just interested in the podcast, well, we've got over 150 episodes of information that will help you, practical, tactical advice that will help you with your organization and whatever aspect you are in your business. So please make sure you hit that subscribe button. Go find the the podcast platform that you most appreciate. It's all available for you at lockdoc.net slash podcast. So check that out today. Make sure you subscribe. Right now, we'll jump into the conversation with Professor Pete. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. All right, welcome, Pete. Thank you for joining us today. Should I call you Pete or Professor Pete? What do you What do you prefer? I, I prefer Professor Pete. Professor Pete, well, welcome to the podcast. Uh, hopefully, you have some coffee ready if you're a, if you're a coffee drinker. But uh, we like to jump into every episode with rapid fire five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin with unknown point values. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question number one, and these are actually randomly generated. I have no idea what I'm getting ready to ask <laughs> you, so uh, buckle up. Do you work better at home or with background noise? Oh, at home or with background noise? Definitely at home. Really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Background noise, unless I have a headset on to block it out or earplugs, it's it's very distracting. Helps you to get focused a lot better when you can kind of control that. Yes, absolutely. Man, I'm I'm probably the opposite of that where I can get a lot of work done in small amounts of time in silence like that, but it also is unnerving to me. I like to have the buzz and the energy of everything kind of going on around me. I, I've, yeah. I've oftentimes gone to a coffee shop and I'll sit there with no headphones in just because there's noise, and but I can get a lot of stuff done because there's not people interacting with me. You know what's interesting? For me, that works a lot better if I'm going to meet somebody. Mm-hmm. I want to have the background noise because I can still concentrate on what they're saying, but it feels like it's not so... Um, uh, in depth where I have to be so 100% focused gotcha. on nope. that one person. You don't so. like the awkward silence. Exactly. 
All right, cool. Uh, let's see here. Next one up. <laughs> just wanted to throw some awkward silence in there. We- <laughs> Plus our plus our team our editing team will enjoy that. Uh, all right, next question: Would you prefer a luxury beach vacation or backpacking? Backpacking, definitely. Really? Yeah, yeah. My, but if you asked my wife, she would say the opposite. Um, I I'm Mr. Mountains. I love hiking. I love being in the mountains. Uh, there's just something very very uh, um, spiritual for me, and and uh, it's it's a great stress reliever for me. Um, the beach is typically something that's going to be crowded and a lot of people on there, and mm. so uh, I, I like to 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 be able to be out in nature. Very cool. Now, what part of the country are you in? I'm in the uh, outside of Seattle, so I'm okay. very close to the Olympic National Park, which is where my stomping grounds for hiking is. Very cool. All right. Question number three. What do you enjoy most about your job? Well, I like helping people, making an impact. And, you know, it's amazing um, when I hear somebody who says, you know what? I tried this for one minute and it made all the difference in the world. And sometimes I think that it's like, you know, this particular technique isn't going to do anything because it didn't work for me. And, but somebody says they come back and they say it works amazingly. And it's like, okay, I just had an impact. I love that. That's awesome. Very cool. All right. Next question. What was your first job? Oh, my first job was a uh, paper boy. And uh, it was for the Oakland Tribune in uh, in uh, California in the San Francisco Bay Area, and um, I uh, would do that, um, and I'd uh, pick up the newspapers uh, in front of a Walgreens that was well lit but closed. It wasn't twenty four seven. And one day I got mugged on. My paper around. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? That's crazy. Somebody stole my head. I had one of these AM radio headsets <laughs> and uh, and my bicycle, and uh, they they just came and harassed me and, and took my, my stuff. They didn't take my newspapers, though. <laughs> just, just the AM radio. <laughs> the AM radio and my bike. <laughs> I mean, you, you got to love a good AM radio headset. Uh, now, the, the major question that I have was, is it only an AM radio? It was. It was only. This is back. This is back in the seventies. So uh, you know, AM radio. You know, with, if you think about it, that's what the cars came with—an AM radio. Yep, I like it. All right, last question. Here we go. If you could start any business in the world, what would you start? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, any business in the world, I think it would be some sort of a unique B and B bed and breakfast. Okay, because I think uh, you know something that I could theme a particular way that people would get excited about. I think that would be fun and make it a destination location for people. Very cool. I like it. Well, congratulations. You made it through rapid fire. We'll give you a score 746. So good job. Oh, awesome. I was really hoping for something over 700. Well, yeah, we're, we're here to make <laughs> dreams come true. So very, very cool. Well, thank you again for joining us. Um, so I'm, I'm interested Every week, our organization, we ask our team members to fill out a weekly report, and we ask them to share their high for the week, their low for the week, and then we ask them to rate their stress, workload, and their morale um, on a on a scale. And it's something that I look at and pay attention to every Monday morning, kind of see how the week was for our organization. And it is uh, it's, it's interesting to kind of watch those things. Uh, they fluctuate, obviously, stress and workload and, and then morale. And you see stress go high, morale go low, 
all those things. So this conversation to me is very interesting because I want to understand uh, as leading a team how to, one, be aware of stress, uh, maybe signs of stress, but also I guess one of those things coming back to is leading by example and monitoring my own stress, understanding how I can cope with it from a perspective. So I want to dive into that a little bit today. But before we jump into it, I wonder, I want to understand more because I'm, I'm looking at you on a television screen here on a, on a computer screen and you have got stress. See PeteAlexander.com, effective stress release in a couple minutes today. Why are you passionate about stress relief and why is stress such a big topic for you? Well, for me, and it's a great question, um, for me, it, it actually all came to a head back in 2018. But as I started to look back and see what happened, it was actually something that was brewing all the way back from my childhood. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family mm-hmm. and had to often be the adult, even though I was a kid. But where I started noticing the major effects of stress was in 2008. Um, it, it, at that point, it was a perfect storm of stressful activities. Imagine, you know, when you're mentally and emotionally overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to me. I had many things happening, both personally and professionally. And what happened was I ended up getting diagnosed with stress-induced diabetes. Oh, wow. The crazy thing is though, and, and mind you, I, I, you know, it, 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 I, I, there's nobody in my family that has diabetes. Mm -hmm. So, it was like, where did this come from? I'm an active person. I, you know, I, I, I don't eat horribly. I exercise regularly, whatever. But what I ended up doing was I didn't listen to my body about what stress was doing to it. And so what I did was a classic, like many entrepreneurs do, we continue to burn the candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went for another 10 years until I ended up in the emergency room with a severe case of diabetic ketoacidosis. And for, Chad, your listeners who might not know what that is, my body was eating itself alive because of my stress. Okay. And I was admitted to the hospital. Doctor said I was one hour from being comatose. And here's the crazy, crazy, crazy thing. So... I spent the next several days in ICU. I'd never been in ICU before. Mm-hmm. And so on my second day in ICU, I was, I was working in the medical device industry and I had a micromanager for a supervisor. Got it. Anyone who's had a micromanager knows that's not the most pleasant thing. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was uh, I get this text from my boss at about 6 a.m. And mind you, my boss knew I was in the hospital. And the message says, you have a webinar you need to run at 8 o'clock. What are you going to do about it? And so there I was, you know, what a surprise. I didn't have my work laptop with me in ICU. I did have my phone. And I started sitting there and trying to reschedule this webinar on my iPhone, you know, pushing the boundaries of what this thing could do. Yeah. And the nurse on staff at that time came over. They were checking my blood every uh, hour. And when I was admitted, my blood sugars were so high that the medical grade glucometers could not read them, Mm -hmm. just said high. And they estimated that it was eight to 10 times higher than what it should be. Well, at this point, after a couple of days, it had come down into, it was still high, but it was at least readable and more reasonable numbers. She checks my blood as I'm sitting there with my phone. 
And like a 90 degree angle, it shot straight sure. back up. And she says to me, this is pretty much a perfect stranger. She says to me, you realize that's what put you in this hospital bed in the first place. Mm. And it was like my epiphany moment. It was like, I thought to myself, I said, what am I doing to myself? I am trading my health for my career. Mm -hmm. And that is a really bad trade. So I sat there and thought about it for the rest of that day. <clears throat> and then the next day and decided once I got out of the hospital, the day after I resigned and I just started focusing on my own health. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed was that not only did by focusing on my health, not only did my stress go down, mm -hmm. my glucose numbers as a diabetic went down, my weight went down, and my energy level went way, way up. It was as if I had discovered a fountain of youth. Wow. And I, you know, my former coworkers, my friends, my family were all saying, you got to get the word out on this because there's so many people that could could learn from this. And so decided to write a book and and I and I'm very passionate about talking about it because sure. it's too easy for us to to burn out and unnecessarily. We understand the frustrations HOA board members and property managers face when deciding the best solution for their HOA and pool security. Should we use a keypad? hand out keys, or install a key card system? Do we even need cameras? These are some of the questions that are difficult to navigate, and we're here to help. At LockDock Security, we've spent over 20 years working with homeowners associations and property managers to find a system that best fits the pool and HOA needs. Camera systems for the front gate or front entrance, key card systems for the pool gates, or simply updating the gate so that it meets safety and code compliance. We like to take the guesswork out of the process to answer any questions and help find the right solution. Our mission is to help you protect your people and your property, and that includes pools. Contact our team today to schedule your free consultation for your community. It's, it's interesting. You, you just kind of walk through a lot of the, I guess, the science right behind stress. And I it's very enlightening because I think a lot of times when we talk about stress, like, man, I'm feeling stressed, or I'm feeling tense or whatever. And it, you may be not aware, I'm, I would say for myself, not necessarily aware of the actual health implications around it. It's just kind of the feeling of being stressed or I've got too much going on. Uh, and I know from a from a leadership perspective, from a business owner perspective, it's hard to flip that switch off because you, it's just a constant. And the moment yeah. that you say, hey, okay, well, we've, we have resolved this issue, the other 12 that have been on the back burner just reappear, right? So you're constantly having to chase that and, and navigate that. So I'm I'm very interested in, and I know through this conversation we'll we'll kind of talk through maybe some ways to deal with that, or maybe some exercises to to go through on that. But it's a very real thing. One of the things that you just, that you mentioned through your story was your your manager that was a that was a micromanager, and and hey, you've got this this thing. What are you going to do about it? That's a very, I, if we just take that section out and we set it aside for anybody that's listening in a leadership capacity, understand the people that you're, that you're leading, understand the people that you're supporting. And that's just not a way to deal with people. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you're in the hospital, you know, you're dealing with something that is, Hey, I see you have a webinar coming up this morning at eight o'clock. I'm already rescheduling it and we're going to get it taken care of for you is the yeah. way that you handle that. Not what are you going to do about it? <laughs> like, exactly. It's, but, but it, it, it's, a, it's a lesson there because 
again, regardless of how you deal with stress, it doesn't matter if you were just completely chill in the hospital because of something completely different. That's just not a time that you deal with that. So that's that's another side lesson I would imagine anybody. From that perspective, it's another good, I think, a good lesson for leadership as a whole to understand the implications of leading people, right, and, and supporting people. But let's take it outside of that. So stress as a whole, you've just talked about the kind of science and the health around it and how it can impact, how it can negatively impact your health. You So you switched over from, you said that you're a professor of marketing. Was that in a marketing career that you were, that you were underneath that stress? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was, um, I got my, uh, um, my stress-induced diabetes right after I got my, my PhD degree. And so I was teaching classes. I was running a business. Mm-hmm. I was working for a company. I had small kids at home. I had uh, a father dying and needing his affairs being taken care of. I had a mom who had major surgery and not enough insurance to cover her. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I had uh, a marriage that was heading for a divorce. Just a few things on my shoulders. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> not a whole lot going on there. No, no. (laughs) Well, and I think that it's not uncommon that people find themselves in those situations. There's not only the the day-to-day and the pressures that you have in your work environment, but you also have outside. And and we talk, we hear about it in our organization all the time. I mean, you know, you have car trouble, you have family issues, you've got health issues, you have family health issues, like, and it just kind of compounds and then you also have to come in and perform your job, you know, and and do that thing. And again, going back from a leadership perspective, understanding, and I, maybe this, maybe this, what we're going to be talking about today from a stress relief standpoint and bringing awareness to it is something that we can help people with from a leadership capacity, because you've got to understand, and we, I've said this to a lot of people before, a lot of people, and maybe you can, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but this is just kind of my opinion. A lot of times we talk about work-life balance. And I think that's a hard thing to kind of comprehend because it's just life, right? Yeah, Work exactly. and, and your personal life is just life. You're going to have stressors at mo- both points, but I've not, not really met somebody that can walk in to the office and just completely and utterly forget about personal life. And the same goes true when you walk home. So it's now just management of stress in general, because that happens from all aspects. How, what are your thoughts on that? Because that could be just totally against anything that you're, you, that you're, you're under, uh, that you talk about, but managing those different aspects of your life, but also understanding that it's all the same. Yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, it, it all goes back to how you manage the stress because it's going to be different stressors. Something that happens to you at home with uh, with your family or something there it might be a different stressor than something that happens to you at work. Mm-hmm. But it's all about how you manage that. And another thing that is really, really important is to think about, okay, there's different stressors and we really cannot, as humans, we cannot eliminate all stress in our lives. It's just not possible. And in fact, uh, there is some stress that is good stress. So, you know, if we think about it, if we are very passionate about our work Mm -hmm. and we, let's say, have a project that we got to get done, well, if we're passionate about it, we love what we're doing, the stress to get that uh, project done is a good stress because Good stress, which is also known as eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, that is what helps us get things done. 
Okay. So that part is not going to create the negative stress in our in our bodies. What is going to cause negative stress usually comes in two flavors, either rumination about something that happened in the past. So think about like, let's say we're guilty because either we did or didn't do something in the past and we continue to beat ourselves up about it. Mm. That's something that is not good for us because it's in the past. We cannot change it. Yeah. We can learn from it, maybe take the positive learnings from the past, but we can't change it. To continue to beat ourselves up about it, that is not productive. The other flavor is being anxious about something in the future. And the reason why this is a negative stressor is it's in the future and it may or may not happen. Often what we're getting worried about is, oh my gosh, something's, you know, we have to give an important presentation or we have to have a difficult conversation with somebody mm -hmm. or we, you know, a bill is coming up that we know, how are we gonna pay it? Um, whatever that stressor is, if we continue to worry about it and our natural habit is to think about the negative aspect of that, mm. what ends up happening more than likely is if we negatively think about what the outcome of that future event is going to be, we are going to manifest that negative outcome mm. because we're sending that negative energy to it. So if we can get a handle on regardless of whatever the stressor is and think about it from the fact that, okay, is it in the past or is it in the future? How are we dealing with that? If we can manage both of those properly, all other stressors are going to be a piece of cake. Hmm. So worrying about past failures, getting focused, mm -hmm. way too focused on that, uh, allowing that to be a driver or also worrying about negative implications of things in the future that you haven't even got to yet, but just worrying about that. Past mm -hmm. guilt, Absolutely. worrying about things in the future that haven't happened yet. That's, Those are the two worst negative negative stressors that we can do. It, the the good stress is very interesting because um, that's I I guess I would and maybe just mislabeling it as uh, adrenaline in the past, right? Like you've got something that you're working on, you know what's got to happen, and you can go for long periods of time with high stress, all that, mm -hmm. and and so you've you've given it a different term, but it's something that you can apply in a positive manner, and you're saying that's okay for periods of time, obviously. Mm -hmm. You got Absolutely. It. Yeah, you have to be a little bit careful because you may bring up the good point about adrenaline. Um, as we, you know, our bodies can take a lot of adrenaline, but if we continuously are shoving our bodies with adrenaline at some point, that's not going to be good. But mm -hmm. what what I think, uh, you know, if 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 something like you're excited about a, uh, you know, a race, let's say, uh, you know, you're going to be exercising or something, you got a lot of adrenaline for that. That's perfectly fine. And then the same thing with the job. If you have something that you are very excited about, it's it's something that you're passionate about. The adrenaline that's going to be carrying you with that is going to be good stress because that is not something that's taxing your body. But if mm. what happens is if you think about like when we have been worrying about something in the in the past, we're actually dumping either a uh, you know cortisol, um, adrenaline, anything up negative mm. into our body unnecessarily. Mm. Yep. And we let it stew. And the issue is, is that if we continue to do that over and over and over again, at some point, our body is going to break its weakest link. And with mine, it was the pancreas, even though there's no diabetes in my family. 
Can you copy this key? That's a question we get asked about 3,422 times a year. And how can you actually be sure that the person who asked that question is supposed to get a copy of that key? Well, we think you should always know who can copy your keys to your business and your home because it could be your neighbor, an old employee, a contractor, or even worse, your mother-in-law. At LockDock Security, we believe in protected key systems, so you always know who has a copy of your key. To find out more, visit LockDock.net or stop by our Charlotte location. LockDock Security, helping you protect your people and your property. I've gone through a lot of books over the years, leadership books, talking about, you know, all a variety of aspects. And a lot of them have a tie back to on the mental aspect, the way that those chemicals kind of impact your brain in positive and negative manners. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say here as well is being mindful of that um, and being, I guess, being aware of these negative or the the bad stress situations and working on those at, at a higher level, because I think those are the ones that kind of just consistently happen over and over and over again. And maybe, I don't know, I'm, you're the expert on this, but maybe it's the fact that oftentimes those things, past guilt or worrying about something negative that could potentially happen in the future are maybe things that we don't want to verbalize because yes. it's an internal stress that we don't want to really talk about. And so that probably compounds it even more because it's an unspoken stressor um, that you're just trying to deal with on your own. Yeah, it's a very good point that you bring up there, Chad, because we try and keep it quiet mm -hmm. and we don't want to show it. And often we, you know, we feel as leaders that if we show something like that, if we show our vulnerability, that people won't respect us or think that we're weak. And the actual, in my experience, it's the opposite that's true. Because if you show your vulnerability to your team, your team is going to find you more approachable and more real. And they're going to be willing to share with you things that might be going on with them that you as a manager mm -hmm. need to know. Yeah. Because, you know, as we talked about earlier, as, you know, it's not a good thing to manage somebody and say, what are you going to do about it? Um, it's there, you're there to support them and help them grow. Yeah. I remember, and I don't want to get into all of the gritty details of it at the moment, but I remember many, many, many years ago, uh, in my uh, early adulthood made some bad financial decisions and, uh, they just kind of built upon each other over the, over <laughs> years. Uh, and it got to a point where it was a major you know, negative stress impact on everything. Like, and that's probably one of the things that I talk about a lot when I say it's hard to separate work life and personal life. Cause it just all all rolled into each other. Um, mm -hmm. And once I got to the point where I just said, you know what, it is what it is. And I was vocal about it to the people that were like kind of around me was a major impact to being able to start to have breakthrough on that and be able to work through it rather than just let it implode on the inside. So I think there's a lot of value in that. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to kind of step back on is uh, you were talking about your, your manager and your story where you're talking about how you ended up in the hospital. The impact of, and I guess I'm going to try to pose this as a question as best I can, the impact of the people of influence in your life, right? So manager, micromanager, uh, maybe it's some family, uh, family relationships, maybe it's just some friend groups that you're in. How much of the, and so I just refer to that a lot of times as influence, your, your circle of influence. Mm -hmm. How much of that, being intentional about your influence, how much does that impact your stress levels? Oh, huge! Because especially let's let's go to um, 
uh, as a kid, if you have a parent who you feel like you need to prove yourself to them and they don't give you that acknowledgement mm-hmm. that you are, that they're proud of you, for example, you're going to, you know, that, that what we will do as children is we will always strive to be, you know, we'll do one of two directions typically. One is we will try and push ourselves so hard that we never never can be satisfied mm. with whatever we're we're accomplishing or you just go off the veer end and and completely the, you know I, I used to call it the burnout uh you know trajectory sure. because you just you say i can't i can't live up to these expectations so one of the things that is really important is to realize that is there a uh, um something that is motivating you from the fact that you were never, you didn't get that approval from your, your, your father or your mother. Sure. I mean, I, I had that in, in, and it wasn't until uh, right before he died where he actually told me that, you know, he was proud of me yeah. and it was like, wow, it took that long. I was, you know, I was in my, uh, my late forties when he passed away. Sure. So, um, and that was a real challenging one for me. The thing is, is that as a manager, one of the things that we often do is we have these expectations for our people and we assign them certain things and we expect them to get those things done. Mm-hmm. Well, especially if you have somebody who maybe is new working for you or someone who maybe you haven't um, gotten full trust in, mm-hmm. that is where clarifying expectations can reduce your stress enormously, not only yourself, but for the person who's reporting to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, let's say, you know, we go back to having a project due and you're, you're delegating it to this person and you know, it's an important project and it needs to get done on a certain date. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make sure that they understand, yeah, it's due on this particular date or before. Sure. So it's always good to clarify, hey, you know, just want to make sure. So, you know, when do you think you're going to have like a first draft of it or something like that? Just, you know, having that conversation so that there's no surprises because we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Where either as an employee or as the the manager, where all of a sudden we had a certain expectation for getting something done, and the person either we had to deliver it to, or the person who was delivering it to us, there was a disconnect, and then all of a sudden it just becomes a stressor. Sure. And so you can avoid a lot of this, and that's that's just you know it's being proactive. There's so many things that we can do very very simply to reduce unnecessary stress. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that we don't think about it, and we go down the rabbit hole until uh, until all of a sudden, oops, you know, I could have avoided all of this by just doing a simple <laughs> simple activity. Sure, it's interesting, and I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in your opinion on this as well because we talk about personality assessments around here a lot. Um, we're, you know, we've done Myers-Briggs. I'm familiar with DISC. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about Enneagram. We're big mm-hmm. here in our organization. Uh, we started earlier this year talking about culture index, which is a, a different type of a, a measurement tool. And one of the things that I've been intrigued by was the way that different personality assessments, personality types rather, I guess, respond to stress. Some, you know, they, we all kind of process it differently, can maintain it differently, or respond to it differently. What has been your experience on that understanding the way that people, just based off of their personality, will kind of receive that stress and or process it to a point that 
maybe compound stress with other people because because of the outcome, right? But what how does how much of does that have an impact on on what we're talking about? Oh, huge. Um, you know, I've what I've found with all the different um different personality profiles, like for example, I'm an ENFJ. Okay. If you, since you did the Myers-Briggs. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so what I have found is that w- in my personal experience doing those, t- those, ac- uh, those, those tools, as well as seeing it um, from, from uh, working with people, the issue is that we always find that, okay, somebody who's very similar to, uh, to, to us, we know what to expect. So like, let's say, you know, if uh, E being that, that I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And so working with another extrovert, okay, I can talk. We're not going to have any issues here with uh, communicating. Um, the key is whenever you have the knowledge mm-hmm. of someone else that you're working with, what their personality profile is, what they prefer, what, um, what are things that they like, dislike, uh, how they like to approach things, having that understanding and utilizing that to help communicate in a way that is more effective for them, that will be the huge game changer sure. in terms of reducing stress. So for example, um, if you're talking with someone else who tends to need to not make a quick decision, but needs to think about it, mm-hmm. yep, that's a big one. Sure. Because, you know, I'm the type that, you know, if in most cases, mm-hmm. unless it's something really mm-hmm. huge, I want to make that decision pretty quick because I just want to move on. And, you know, and, and working with someone else who needs to process it and needs to think about it a while. And it's like, come on, come on. But, what is that? I'm causing my own self stress, and I, you know, and if I start pestering them, mm-hmm. come on, have you made a decision yet? What are you? What am I going to do to that person? I'm going to cause them stress. So having that understanding, it's almost like for me when I was given the uh, like the teams. Uh, Myers-Briggs or DISC profiles and knowing what each person on my team, mm-hmm. what their personality profile was, it was like, wow. Okay, so I need to have this conversation with them. Take a quick look. See what it is that, uh, you know, what they what 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 is motivates them. And then it's like, okay, I can position myself and talk to them in a way that's in their language, let's say. So you, so you had this situation where you said, man, why are you so, guys so stressed all the time? And then you looked at the personality assessment and said, oh, I'm your stress all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because I'm constantly saying, hey, when are you going to get that done? When are you going to get that done? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I, I hate that for you. I hate that for you, <laughs> Professor Pete. Um, the, the, uh, no, it, it's, it's very true. And I think understanding that, right, is, is and I've, I, the example that you gave, pushing somebody for an answer like right now, to somebody on the flip side of that personality, whatever, however you look at it, is you are intentionally causing stress because you're asking for an immediate answer and they need time yep. to process. The moment that you figure that out and you can put that in in context and you say, hey, I need to talk to you about this. Here's the facts. Here's the data. Let's have a conversation about it tomorrow or in two days with a response. Exactly. Changes it completely. It sets expectations for you, the one that needs to have immediate resolution, but it also gives them time because you know when the when the conversation is going to happen and it gives them time to process. Perfect Huge. example. Perfect example. I've never experienced it. I'm just saying like just in theory, that would be a, a thing, right? <laughs> All right. So if we are stressed all the time, you've got some uh, ways that uh, people can process that. So some exercises or maybe a, a tool that you can use to try to to help understand it or maybe process it a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. So a um, couple things that, I mean, people can come to my website. I've got over 150 different super easy tools you can try. But one of my favorite ones, and if I'll just caveat this right now, is uh, if you're driving, you don't want to practice this one right now because sure. you got to close, close your eyes. <laughs> but what you do is you go ahead and you close your eyes. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and do this one. With All right. You. So close your eyes, take one deep breath in. And I want you to go. I'm going to tell you, I'm a little stressed because there's cameras watching me right now. But anyways, that's okay. You look fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what I want you to do is just go in your mind to a place you like to relax. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the beach. Maybe it's the park. Maybe it's a lake. Maybe it's, you know, uh, the backyard. Maybe it's the spa. Wherever it is, go there in your mind. And take in all of your senses. What do you feel? Do you feel the sun on your face? Do you feel the sand or the grass under your feet? And what do you smell? Do you smell the fresh air? Do you smell maybe the lotion from the spa? What do you hear? Do you hear the wind blowing through the trees? Maybe the water splashing on shore? What do you see? Do you see the blue sky? Maybe the green of the trees or the grass? Whatever it is, take it all in and then take another deep breath in and open your eyes. How does that feel? Um, I'm totally chill, totally chill right now. It is. And think about this. It's a simple visualization exercise. Mm -hmm. It takes one minute. You can do it anywhere. If you have, if you're at your desk before you have to go into, you know, a particular meeting or maybe you're sitting, you're in sales and you have to make a sales call and you just pulled up in front of the building. Mm -hmm. You can do that right there in your car before you walk in. It's a really simple one. And visualization where you incorporate your senses into going to your happy place mm-hmm. is an amazing thing to help ground you. Yeah, most definitely. Well, going to my happy place is, is a good thing on a regular basis, right? You've got to, you've got to figure out one where it is. And I, I guess an exercise like that will one help you kind of get to that point. I would definitely say sand in a beach is not a happy place for me. And that causes me stress because there's sand everywhere and then it's going to be a big mess. <laughs> So you were, wait, that was like one of those questions you asked me earlier. Remember, I said I'm I'm the backpacker. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not the beach for me, for sure. You've got a book as well called Lighten Your Day. I do, I do, and uh, it you know it's also got over a hundred uh, you know different tips that oh, there people can read right there, and uh, it's available either on Amazon or from my website, wherever whatever prefer to uh, to to buy it. I I I'm able to. Uh, uh, you know, sign it if they want one from the website. From Amazon, they just ship it directly. Very cool. Well, I mean, it's been a, pl- a pleasure talking to you today. It's given me some concepts and ideas. And I would also say probably validating some of the, you know, and for me, and just to kind of walk through that exercise that you just did, driving down the road is that place for me, right? Just mm-hmm. getting in my car, no noise, no music, windows down, maybe the sunroof open, right? Mm-hmm. That is 
that's the place to just kind of chill. Um, and so it's remembering those types of things, but also make, being intentional about making that part of your exercise, making that part of your your kind of routine so that you can have that breakup. Uh, so yeah. very cool. Well, again, thank you very much for joining us today. It's been a blast. I, this is probably information that will be beneficial to somebody that you know. So please make sure you share this, hit the share button, send it on to somebody, message them, let them know this is some information that you think would be helpful for them. Subscribe if you haven't already, and we'll see you next time right here on the Coffee Break Podcast.